0: Welcome to the Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com. So last week I began a two-part message, and it was on dealing with revelation. And last week we talked about how God speaks to us and how God communicates with us. We spent some time looking at how to process revelation, interpretation, and application, We believe that our God is a speaking God. Our God is a God who moves and speaks, and He gives Himself. He is the Word, after all. And our God's nature is to communicate. But we also talked about not only does He give the revelation, He's the one who gives the interpretation and the application. And so um, we want to journey with him. Uh, Joseph and Daniel both said God gives the interpretation. So when we get things from the Lord, we want to process with him. We want to process healthily and with others. And by the way, when you get negative revelation, we talked about what to do with that. Negative revelation comes. It can be from the Lord telling us what the enemy is going to do. It's like in a card game. The Lord shows you the hand of the enemy, says this is his intention And so our God shows us that so we can pray against it and stand against it. Sometimes the Lord shows us what's coming that's negative if we don't repent, and if we don't turn, and if we don't return to our God. Sometimes a negative revelation actually is, uh, it's like a door into our own lives. There are things that are broken in us, and God wants to put his finger on it, and wants us to talk with him about it. There's just many reasons that there's negative revelation. But what we said last time with negative revelation is we always pray against it, and we always pray the opposite of it. Amen? And so I wanted to call us into that gap, especially now there's so much negative in the news. Uh, there's actually negative revelations that are being shared very commonly in social media, and, uh, and that, you know, I just wanted us to come to the place where we recognize that we are, and we looked at many, many scriptures, so you can go back and you can uh, get the notes from last week, you can also listen to the message. You can spend some time getting equipped. I really wanted to give that to us as an equipping. I want us to be mature believers. I want us to grow up. I want us to respond. And, and even in the midst of a tumultuous, broken culture, even in the midst, and, and we used we talked about two things that are happening currently right now, I believe that there are principalities of both fear and hatred that are seeking to collude and collide to destroy our country. And so what we want to do is we want to stand against that. We want to stand in the middle as the bride of Christ. We want to be the intercessors, the remnant. It doesn't take the whole body. It doesn't take everybody. It takes some. It takes an available person. In Ezekiel 22:30, 30, God said, I looked for a person who would stand in the gap and who would build up the wall on behalf of the land so that I'd not have to destroy it. He, he's looking for one. He's looking for you. He's looking for me. And so a remnant, a representation of the body of Christ can stand in the gap and can say no to fear and can say no to hatred and can pray the opposite of it. And we're talking about praying faith, hope, and love. Amen? We want to stand in the gap there. So uh, had a really, uh, an equipping service last time and also uh, had a real clear application to help us. And the challenge was to call us to stand up. Well, today in part two, we have an amazing calling as children of God. We're sons and daughters of God Most High. We're ambassadors of Christ Jesus, and he has shared both his ministry and his message of reconciliation with us to this broken world. We are agents of blessing. We are sent forth in the world to be a blessing, our Abrahamic covenant Given the promise given to Father Abraham was, I'm going to bless you, and through you, I'm going to bless all the families of the earth. That's our our inheritance. That's our heritage. Our inheritance is we are blessed in God, but we're not blessed to spend it all on ourselves, to use it all on ourselves. We're blessed to be a blessing. We are also soldiers in the Lord's army. We are sent forth to fight spiritual forces of darkness and to release the captives. Second Corinthians chapter ten verse three to six says that we have divinely powerful weapons for the pulling down of strongholds. In Ephesians chapter six, we're actually supposed to wrestle or get into close quarter combat. We're actually we're actually to stand and be be in the middle and stand against powers and principalities and world forces of darkness. Why can we do that? Because the captain of the armies of the host of heaven lives in us. And he has called us into partnership with him. So we're a part of his victorious armies. Amen? We're a part of the champion. And he leads us in the parade, the procession of victory. And so we stand against spiritual forces of darkness to liberate those that are captive, to liberate those held in darkness and to set the captives free. We minister, we minister hope to the hopeless, help to the helpless, and encouragement to discourage, according to Isaiah chapter 61. And we join with Jesus on his mission to serve the poor, the marginalized, and those in need to work for the common good and to restore individuals, social systems, communities, and nations to God's design. God has a design for business. God has a design for medicine. God has a design for government and politics. God has a design for education. Our God wants us to join with him so that they can reflect the kingdom of our God and reflect who he is. That's our joy. So the Lord wants us to partner with him for mercy not for judgment, Ezekiel twenty-two thirty. 30. The Lord wants us to intervene with him through identificational repentance and standing in the, gra- in the gap so that people would experience grace and mercy and deliverance. And the Lord tells us what to do when bad things happen. In 2 Chronicles 7, verse 13 and 14, the Bible says, when I send a plague among you, or there's a famine, or there's an earthquake, it says, when bad things happen, if my people, who are called by my name, will what? Humble themselves, pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. He says, then I'll hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. And so, Uh, By the way, that progression there is super important. What's one of the most humble things you can do? It's pray, amen? To pray is, thank you, sir, is one of the most humble things that you can do. And why are we praying? We humble ourselves and pray to seek his face. We want to meet God. And then let me tell you this, when you get in God's presence, it's actually easy to repent and turn from your sin. Some, Some of us, our prayer times start with how bad we are, or listing the sins of others around us, we start there. That's not a helpful place to start, right? I want to encourage you. Humble yourselves by talking to him, getting near to his presence, and then when you see how good he is, and how great he is, you'll go, look, I don't want this other stuff in my life. I'm talking about the sin, not the person. I'm talking about the sin in your life. And then, and then God says, I will hear, I will forgive, and I will heal. So, we get to carry out our kingly rule primarily through the priestly ministry of intercession. I've taught this a lot. Do you know it? Cummings from Revelation uh, chapter 5, verse 9 and 10. There we spent time looking at the scripture that you and I are called to be kings and priests to serve our God. And the primary way that Jesus rules the universe is through prayer, is through humble asking. Psalm chapter uh, 2, verse 8, ask of me and I will give you the nation. So Jesus rules through asking. And in Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25, Jesus ever lives to intercede. So think about it. Right now, Jesus is primarily carrying out his kingly universal authority. He's carrying that out primarily through humble prayer and asking, joining with the Father's will by the power of the Spirit to rule and reign and bring the kingdom of God and the purposes of God on the earth. And so you and I are kings and priests to serve our God. And we get to rule with our God on the earth, both now and forevermore. So kingly ministry, through, kingly rule through our priestly ministry is so important. Well, in this hour... I want to remind us, I want to call us to that place of prayer and intercession so that we can declare and we can decree what the will of God is. Now, Matthew chapter 6 verse 10 is the most prayed verse of the most prayed prayer in human history. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is intercession. As you drive around in your city, as you walk in your neighborhood, as you As you lead your family, as you go to your business place or your school place, that prayer needs to be our breath, our life and our breath. Oh, Lord, in this school today, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done here as it is in heaven. Lord, in my life, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done in me today as it is in heaven. Lord, in this pandemic We stand against sickness, and we stand against virus, and we say, let your kingdom come, your kingdom that's whole and healthy, and let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we intercede, we stand in the gap, and then turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 verse 19. Matthew chapter 16 verse 19. We want to step into our places of prayer and intercession that we might decree and that we might declare what God wants. Matthew chapter 16 verse 19, Jesus himself has asked the disciples, "Who do people say that I am? And who the crowd say? That, who do you say that I am?" And Peter answers back, "Thou art the Christ, the Son of the Living God." And then the Lord Jesus tells them that Peter made that revelation not on his own, but by God speaking to him and giving him that revelation. And then as he makes that revelation, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church on this testimony, this this faith, this declaration of who I am, this gospel. And then he says in verse 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So many debates about what this means, but, but what it means is this, God has already decreed and declared what he wants on Earth, And our job is to agree with that and loose it on earth. And that means that there are things that God does not want in our lives and on the earth. And we say no to those things. So when we pray thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're automatically saying yes to his kingdom. And that means we're saying no to another kingdom. Amen. So there are things that God has said he wants to loose. He wants to accomplish. He wants to turn Turn loose in our lives and our planet. So we agree with those. We touch that thing on earth and we agree with him. And then we look around and we go, fear, no. Anger, no. Injustice, no. We say no to those things and we stand in the gap with him. And we do it, we enter our places of prayer. We enter our places of intercession that we might decree and declare what the Lord wants so that we might stand against the enemy in his kingdom. Again, Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 to 18 talks about uh, what we need for warfare, we need the character and the nature of Christ. When you put on the full armor of God, you're putting on the nature of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we need the full nature of the Lord Jesus Christ because we are actually called to make a difference in the heavenly places so that there will be a difference in the earthly realm. And then we want to release the blessings and prosperity of the kingdom of God upon the earth and its inhabitants. I pray that you've got Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 7 memorized. Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 7 memorized. That scripture says that wherever I've sent you in the world, and he says in exile to his people at that time, but wherever I've sent you, pray for the prosperity of the city to which I've sent you. Now why do we do that? He says because if it prospers, you will prosper. So, in Houston, Texas, when oil plummets, what does that do to us? That was a question. That's bad news, right? Like, for the rest of the country, and they watch the price of gasoline going down, what are we doing here? Oh, Lord, raise the price of gasoline, please, right? Why are we doing that? This city... It's, it's diversified. It's got incredible industry, the world's largest medical center. It's, it's really, but, but oil is still very important here. So we, we don't want the rest of the people to suffer, but we know for Houston to prosper, we need a certain level of oil industry work to keep jobs going, right? And that affects the whole city. So we want to pray for the prosperity of the city. Now, we don't want to pray that we prosper based on greed, or based on taking advantage of people, or sex trafficking, or those other things. We pray against that stuff, and we work against that. But we pray for the prosperity and the blessing of our city and of its inhabitants. That's one of the things that we do. And then, in Romans chapter 14, verse 17, we're actually praying for the kingdom of God, which is righteousness, peace, and, ho- and joy in the Holy Spirit. We're praying for righteousness. It is a broken world. There's a lot of unrighteousness. And there's a lot of brokenness. And so we pray that God would help us to think right, to to live right, to believe right, to to follow right. We you know, we want things to be right. There's an ache in our spirit for things to be right. We we want our car to work right. We want our computer to work right. We we want life to work. That that's a that's a longing that we have. We don't put our faith in those things. But we want them to work. And righteousness, peace, that word uh, picks up on the Old Testament. Shalom, wholeness, well-being. We want everybody to have enough. We want everybody to be safe. We want everybody to be respected. We want people to experience flourishing. Our God causes his reign to fall on the just and the unjust. Amen? He is good to all. He's not good just to the, those that are good. Our God is lavish and generous, abounding in grace toward all. And so, righteousness, peace, shalom, wholeness, well-being, safety, people having enough, and then joy, celebration. The kingdom of God is actually a party. Right now, uh, we we had that baptism celebration with Justin this morning, right? When somebody says yes to Jesus, the scripture says there's a party in the Lord's presence. Now, can you imagine the kind of party that is? I mean, some, some of you are incredible with hospitality, and some of you, uh, you know how, you know how to enjoy yourself, but I want you to know heaven and earth, there's no joy like the joy of Jesus. He's anointed with a joy above all of heaven and earth, and our Jesus knows how to celebrate. He celebrates you. I'm really glad for that. that He celebrates me. When he looks at me, he's not thinking how bad I am. He's not thinking about how broken I am. He's not even thinking the list of things that I'm thinking of that uh, I'm upset about this or I need to change that. Praise God that when he looks at me, he's for me, not against me. He celebrates me. And so we're praying for the prosperity and the blessings of the kingdom of earth, the kingdom of God to come on this earth as they are in heaven. And then just in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to heal the sick, to save the lost, to encourage the discouraged, and to set the captives free. That's some really good blessing right there. Healing, salvation, deliverance, encouragement. Oh, we have a great kingdom. We have a great king. And And this is our privilege. This is who we're called to be in Christ Jesus. Every one of us, from the newest disciple to the oldest disciple in the Lord Jesus. Those that have been doing this for generations or uh, decades. And then those of us that are, are brand new to following Jesus. This is who he wants to be through us. And then think about this. We attended the Global Leadership Summit this past week. And we did it online And leadership is all about influence. Everybody in this room has influence. Somebody is watching you. Somebody is watching you. You're influencing someone. And Jesus says it like this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. He says, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. Salt only has influence in proximity, right? If the salt shaker is over on the counter, it doesn't do any good because it's not getting out on the food that you need it for, right? My food needs a lot of salt. I enjoy salt. It just doesn't do any good over there. I go and get the salt. Salt, when it's in proximity, it's influence spread. And it doesn't take, but my wife tells me, she says it takes a little salt and it goes a long way. Uh, we're in disagreement on that sometimes. But but you're, think about your life. Jesus looked at you, said you're the salt of the earth. Now, for many of us, the world influences us. The peer group influences us. The values of culture influence us. But God says it the other way. He says you're actually the influencer. You're the agent of preservation, salt preserves. You're the agent of bringing out the God flavors. That's how Eugene Peterson translates it. You're an enhancer. Look at your neighbor and say, you're an enhancer. Whatever that means. And then you're light. In the midst of a dark world, you are light. You are an influencer. Every follower of Jesus is salt and light. You are an influencer in your spheres of relationships and in your areas of responsibility. That doesn't mean you're the boss, but that means wherever you come in, You bring the kingdom of God. Wherever you come in, you bring these prayers, this kingly authority, this ministry of reconciliation. You bring this perspective that this world doesn't have the last say. You bring the perspective that sickness doesn't have the last word, that cancer doesn't get the last act. You come in there and you say, brokenness and captivity and bondage and demons, they're not going to end. They're not going to rule the day. Wherever you go. Because you're a man and a woman, you're a young person with influence. You're the light of the world. Jesus wants to shine through us, doesn't he? And, and, and when Jesus shines in John chapter 1 verse 5, the Bible says, he's the light of the world and nothing can conquer his light. Isn't that good news? So, so not only are you salt and light and you make an influence, but when Jesus is shining through you, darkness can't put out that light. By the way, this is just a side note, but you remember in one of Jesus' first messages when he first preached, a demon popped up and said, Son of God, what are you here to do? Are you here to to torment us? It's actually a good thing when light and darkness collide, because darkness wants to remain hidden, right? And so like right now, there's a lot of darkness getting exposed. There's a lot of darkness and difficulties and things happening. But you know, it's not good to just be a, a peacekeeper and just put a lid on things and act like nothing's wrong. Like right now, things are getting stirred up. Why are they getting stirred up? Because our God of redemption wants to change things, and he wants to work things out for his kingdom good. Now, yeah, that's a mental model change. You have to change that, because normally we think when things are going bad, we're thinking, yikes, yikes, I want things to go back to normal. Well, normal is, if it's out of the will of God, is not very good and very helpful. So we want God to have his will and to have his way. So we can make a difference. We can change the narrative. We can help others find courage, grace, and strength in the Lord to face fear, to face stress, and to face distress. Like Psalm 23. Psalm 23. Uh, several months ago, Pastor Steve gave me Psalm 23. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to minister from this passage in a while because uh, the team was praying for me. I, I, I was going through a period of sickness and, and, and he gave me that and he said, he saw the Lord Jesus withdrawing frequently to go to the Father, asking the Father to restore him. Psalm 23, 3. And he said, Jeff, I think the Lord wants you to do that in an intense way in this season and let the Lord restore you. Well, I, I've read Psalm 23, many 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 times i've preached from it mostly at funerals and different special events and it's been a part of my devotional life because i read the psalm uh, plan that you read probably pretty frequently you know if it's the first day of the month you read the first psalm and the 31st psalm and then the 60 you, you read it like that you can read five psalms so i've read it but i've never really spent time studying it and praying through it and i'm just getting page after page and you're just going to be so excited about that message when it comes But it's not the information. It's the restoration. It's the renewal. It's the, he leads me in paths of righteousness for his sake. And and even when I go through the valley of the shadow of death, even in the presence of mine enemies. Oh, that's a good, isn't that a good word for people? It's not just meant to be read at crisis moments, but it is a big help in crisis and distress. So this is our opportunity to express true Christian community. This is our opportunity to express, to uh, engage and exercise spiritual authority and to express true Christian community. So I have some encouragements for you today. If you're going to exercise your your spiritual authority and if you're going to express true Christian community, you have to start with where you are. I want to encourage you, To start with where you are and be the gatekeeper for your life, for your family, for your community, and for your friends. That's what Matthew chapter 16 verse 19 was talking about. I, I want us to be a gatekeeper for our lives, for our family, for our community, and for our friends. So, If you're going to be a gatekeeper, you need to know what's going on, right? You get watchmen on the wall so that they're aware of current reality. What's going on? Well, there's an army coming our way. What are we going to do about it? Current reality, uh, you need to be aware of current reality. You need to identify current reality. Things are tough. This world is broken. Good leadership is hard to find. Everything that's being shaken is, that can be shaken, is being shaken, and fear and hatred are running loose in our nation. Now, it takes no discernment to see all that, right? But that's current reality. What's current reality in your family? Is there strife and division? Is there, are there some growth edges? Are there some, are there some breakdowns? What's current reality in your life? What's current reality in your life? We want to start and be gatekeepers over life. For things to change, we have to recognize how they're going. But then... We wanna talk about our preferred future. We wanna ask the Lord to give us a vision of what he wants to do. Lord, what do you wanna do in my life? Lord, what do you want to do in my family? Lord, what do you want to do in my community in greater Houston? Lord, what do you want to do? So let's, let's step up and let's exercise our spiritual authority and let's step up and be who God has called us to be, expressing true Christian community. Let's do that and let's get his vision Well, what does this look like? What needs to happen here? What needs to happen, whether it's in politics or economics or in education or in medicine, whatever it is. So we ask the Lord to give us a vision of what he's doing or what he wants to do. So the good news is, Jesus says, my father and I are at work to this very day. That's really good news. You're not trying to get them to do something. What we're trying to do is find out what God is doing and what Jesus is doing, and we want to get in on it by the power of the Holy Spirit. So what is God doing in your life? We need to take time to ask him. So I know the current reality of my life. Lord, what is your vision for my life? What are you currently doing? So we partner with him. The Lord wants to prosper our city. I've already mentioned that. Now again, we're not talking about, he does not want to fuel greed. He does not want to fuel exploitation. But he does want the economic well-being of our culture to prosper. I've actually traveled to other cultures. And this is a definite Christian belief that what I want is I want my seedling to be the floor for the next generation. Did you know in many countries that I go to that the older generation is actually working to hold the younger generation down and that their feet will be the seedling for the next, the next generation and the next generation and the next generation increases in poverty, increases in bondage, increases in lack of opportunity. This is solely a Christian idea that Jesus said, the works I do, you'll do. Oh, and, and by the way, you'll even do greater things than these. God wants us to flourish, wants us to go on. He wants to see us expand and to grow. That's a part of the will of God. And many other cultures don't want that. So we want our city to prosper. There's this zero sum that we think about. Well, if this person in many power... Uh, Power and and weakness cultures, or shame and honor cultures, there's the idea that there's a limited amount of power, or there's a limited amount of honor, and if you get honor, then my honor decreases. In the kingdom of God, it's not like that, right? Our God creates wealth, our God creates honor, our God creates resources and power. So, If someone is blessed in business, they're supposed to be a blessing, amen? They become a channel, an economic channel. So we want to pray for Christian businesses to arise in our church, in our city. We want businesses to flourish, whether they're Christian or not, and then we want the Lord to lead them to use it for the betterment of our culture. That is a biblical principle and reality that's not a part of the world usually. So I ask the Lord to give you a vision of what he wants to do. He wants to break the power of deception and darkness off of people's lives. And he wants to usher in his life and his light. He wants to break the power of fear and hatred. And to help people walk in faith, in hope, and in love. We are blessed to be a blessing. The Lord actually created you and me for such a time as this. Some of us are going, man, I wish it were back to the good old days. Well, how far back do you want to go? You know, I've read about some of the good old days and uh, I'm not sure I want to go back. Because see, I believe that we were created for this day and I believe that you're here and I'm here for such a time as this. So I want to learn from the past so I don't repeat it. I want God to teach me. The scripture paints the picture of his people and their journey of faith. It's really, it's, it's all laid out there for us, isn't it? He wants us to see both the good and the bad, but he wants us to see what he can do. We're not going backward. We're actually going forward in the purposes of God. And so I want to learn. I want to grow. But our best is yet to be. The glory of the latter house will be greater than the former. Praise God that God's looking forward. Now, yes, we've talked about the tension. Things are going to get darker and darker at the same time that they're getting better and better, and it's going to be happening faster and faster. That's a part of the teaching of this house. But I I want to go on with where the Lord is leading and what he wants to do. So I want to be a gatekeeper of that. I want to stand in the gap, and I want to welcome in, and I want to release on earth what he wants released on earth and what he's released, and I want to say no to what he's binding and what he's saying. I don't want that to abound here. So what we do is we cast vision. We cast vision by being clear, passionate, and authentic. So if you're going to cast vision for your life, if you're going to cast vision for your family, for your community, hey, this is where we are, and this is where we're going. Like a marriage, a family that's in trouble if 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 you're only focused on the current reality and the trouble that's not enough to energize us we need to look at what would this family look like under the rulership of Christ and people loving each other unconditionally and serving each other and mutually submitted one to another what would that look like and then pray into that vision what would it look like for Houston Texas to be under the rule and reign of God surrendered and experiencing a spiritual awakening let's pray into that vision what about our country or what about the nation? I mean, right now, what would it look like for health and wholeness to flood our nation? So our preferred future is with God's help. This is where we're going as a family. This is where we're going as a community, as a nation. We ask him and then we pray into that and we say yes to what he wants and say, we say no to what he doesn't want. So who has eyes to see what God sees and wants what God wants? That's what vision is all about. So, we want to be a people who start with where we are as gatekeepers. You're a gatekeeper. I don't know if you knew that this morning, but you are. Have have you ever been in a room and somebody walks in and they're just the life of the party and when they walk in, just everything gets better? Have y'all been in a room like that before? Y'all thought that when I came up to preach today, didn't you? You just thought, that is something, man. What an entrance. Have you ever been in a room where a dark cloud walks in and it has a name? Here's old Billy Bob. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that Billy Bob won't say anything. Because there's a dark cloud. You're, you're a gatekeeper. What, what's, what's flowing? Now let's, again, authentic community is all about, hey, this is where I'm struggling. This is, where I'm, this is what I'm dealing with. But by God's grace and mercy, this is not where I'm going to stay. This is where I'm going. So I'm going to get people to pray for me. I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to share with people so I can be transformed. Or so my city, my family. But I'm not going to stay there. Now, that kind of person that's clear and authentic and passionate, they catch us up, right? You're a gatekeeper. By the way, sometimes a gatekeeper just opens up the gate and lets whatever come through, right? So we open up our Facebook or our social media, and we just let whatever comes through. Ugh. Stop doing that, right? We need to say, stop that. We just pass it on. It only takes a spark to burn down the house. I mean, to keep the fire going. Don't do that. Number two, reach out to others, praying and sharing with them, for you are sent by the Lord to represent him. So reach out to others. So the first thing we want to do is serve as gatekeepers and reach out to others, sharing with them for you are sent by the Lord to represent him to them. In Luke chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, Jesus looked at his disciples and he gave them power and authority to heal the sick and to set people free of demons and to preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. And he does it again in Luke chapter 10, verse 1 and 2, Matthew chapter 9, verse 35 through 38, and then on into chapter 10 through verse 8. Jesus wants us to reach out and we reach out by praying and sharing with others as his representative. And so, again, I want to invite you to intercede. You can help others by just praying. So some of you this past week, the Lord brought some people to your mind as you were driving, as you were going about your activities, as you were washing the dishes, as you were changing diapers. And the Lord wanted you to fire those arrows of prayer into the heavenlies and pray for their for whatever it is that the Lord weighed on your heart. And sometimes you don't know what it is. And so you go, God have mercy, God have mercy, God have mercy. God bless them, God touched them. But some others, the Lord prompted you and he wanted you to pray and intercede. So pray for them as the Lord brings them to your mind. Lift them up to the throne of grace. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 16. The, the center of the universe is a throne of grace where we may come in our time of need and get help. And so we lift people up there. If you don't know what else to pray, pray for mercy and lift them up to the throne of grace and say, God, help them. But intercede. I believe that God wants us to reach out to others, both praying and connecting. I believe there's some people that he was reminding me about. By the way, you can start right now. Our application at the end of the service at ministry time is we're gonna stop and we're gonna recollect who did God place on our hearts this week for whom we were to pray or who is God laying on our heart this morning to pray for. We're gonna do that or to connect with. So we intercede, and then we connect. You might even think about calling, connecting, texting, um, zooming, whatever it is, because God wants us to have authentic connection with people. People are lonely, discouraged, and isolated right now. Many people are suffering emotional and mental anguish. We were not meant to live alone. Now, no show of hands, but how many of you our introverts, and you were thinking, this is my day to flourish. Praise God. They put me in a house and told everybody to stay away. But you know what? After a little while, that got old, didn't it? Even for the introverts. I've talked to a number of introverts and um, they would like some extroverted introversion so that they could come out of where they are. We weren't made to be isolated. Even if we're... the the most introverted personality you can imagine. We need each other. Listen, the mental anguish that we're causing, especially the elderly, people in the nursing homes, people going to hospitals without people to be there with them. Now that's a place where we need to pray. That's just wrong. That's just wrong. Now we don't need to get mad at anybody. We don't need to go burn down a building, but we need to say, Lord, would you change this? Would you would you help somebody to get some brains? And Lord, would you help us to change this? So let's reach out to people in love. Let's lift up our friends in prayer. Let's pray with them and connect with them. I was so proud. Sharon Williams, we've been having a conversation of late. And Sharon Williams, one of our members here, many of you know Sharon. She's got a group of people that she's calling. About six folks are on her calling list and they're getting together every day and talking. And then she's got others that she calls occasionally. What if... All of us, we just listen to the voice saying, pray for this person and maybe connect with them. And there were people that we were supposed to call. A neighbor, a friend. Now, no guilt, no condemnation, but if the Lord's been stern, I, I just think that's one of the things I'm most proud of here at Calvary. I keep hearing how you're calling people, how you're taking food to people, neighbors, members of your journey group. I just love how there's all this praying and connecting going on. Calvary, I, cel- I celebrate that. I rejoice in that. And we need that in this time. We were not meant to do life alone. We were meant to do it in community, intimacy, community, and kingdom. We were meant to do life together. And so right now, we've got to be very innovative and inventive. Again, use all the tools that you have. Now, in some of your journey groups, your small groups that are starting this week... It's going to be kind of different because there's going to be some people that that can't attend in person for some reason. Well, technologically, some people are challenged, and that doesn't work to do Zoom or whatever. Would you pray for your leader, and would you pray for a group? We actually spent time as journey group leaders in our training recently talking about how do we pastor people that are on different pages. Have you thought about school teachers? They're going to have people in the classroom and people in the virtual classroom Oh my goodness, let's stand in the gap for them. They're going to have to innovate. And innovation takes mental energy and emotional energy. It is draining. They're already working 60, 70 in hours, 80 hours a week, right? So let's pray for them as they're trying to connect. Let's ask God to give them grace and then give grace to the to the people, whatever their their place is that they're having to connect from home or in person, whatever it is. Let's give grace in this hour. Let's pray, let's connect. Number three, if you're counting, give people a chance to share their burdens, concerns, and fears. So we want to be gatekeepers. We want to be a people who, who, uh, who get in the gap, and we pray and listen to the Lord, and so we pray for them, and we seek to connect intentionally. And then those that we connect with, let's give them a chance to share their burdens, concerns, and fears. In First John chapter 1, verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The blood of Jesus cleanses in the light. And so one of the most transformational activities you can do is not only intimacy, which is a reflective life, getting close to Jesus. When you get close to the Lord, you are transformed from glory to glory, even if it's just dimly beholding him. The second transformational experience is authentic community with your open and honest. We need to give people a chance to share their burdens, to share their desires, their concerns, their fears. So we want to learn to listen well. Listening well, by the way, is not listening to respond or fix while someone's talking. It's letting them share. And then we ask good questions. People are hurting. People are scared. People are discouraged. But we're transformed when we bring that stuff out in the light. So let them bring it out in the light. A lot of times, people are set free just by having the freedom to talk to somebody. And as they just bring it out in the light, the burden is lifted. James chapter 5, verse 16, confess your faults one to another that you may be healed. Sometimes that healing just happens as we give people freedom to share. Let's be a, a place where people can share safely, amen, without us fixing them and correcting them. And now we can give hope, we can share, but, but I share, you know, what I think, feel, and believe. And, and together we, we try to pursue the Lord and we try to respond biblically, but we don't beat each other up over it. Then number four, share what you think, feel, and believe as the Lord gives you opportunity. In 1 Peter 3, verse 15, it says, you know, set apart Christ as Lord in your hearts, being ready to give an answer to everyone who asks you for it and do it with gentleness and respect. Wow, don't we need some gentleness and respect in our current public discourse? But you know the public is just representative of you and me, right? I mean, um, our culture just needs some help. So we're going back to that gatekeeping thing. Let's be good gatekeepers. Gentleness and respect. Let's be gracious and kind. Let's, let's, you know, well, we could teach on that for a long time. In this way, we raise the level of faith and we change the narrative. Listen, if, if we'll share what we think, feel, and believe, then we're telling the story and the person who begins to tell, the, tell their narrative, tell the story, they begin to change the narrative. They, they change it because, you know, the media is telling us a story, and it's creating a narrative. And our friends are telling us a story, it's creating a narrative. Where is the people of faith? Where are the people of faith? Where, where are the people of faith, hope, and love? Where, where are the people of light? Where are the people of influence? Where are the people saying, yeah, it's this way, but look at what the Lord wants to do, and this is what I'm believing him for. You know, if we'll tell our story, we're going to change the narrative. And the more we tell our story, we'll change the narrative for good. So let's empathize with people. People only hear the negative, depressing, discouraging news of this broken world. So let's share with them the other side of the story, the good news of the gospel story of the Lord. Then number five, and lastly, trust God to touch people as you love, care, share, and pray. Trust God to love people and to touch them as you love, care, share, and pray. So God created you and me for much glory. John chapter 15, verse 8. You were created to bear fruit, and you were created to bring him much glory. That's good news. And so let him shine through you. Let him touch through you as you care, as you love, as you share and pray. You can reach and impact people that no one else can. I can't reach the people that you're called to reach. I can't influence the people that you're called to influence. And praise God, you're that ambassador of light. You can be a gate of blessing wherever and with whomever you are because of Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, if you have your Bibles, I want to close with an illustration from Acts chapter 3 and 4. Acts chapter 3 and 4. If you'll just kind of glance there, if you'd like to read it this week, I'd encourage you to read Acts chapter 3 and 4. In Acts chapter 3 and 4, Peter and John are on their way to the temple to worship. They come to the gate beautiful. There's a man there who's been crippled for 40 years. Since birth, he's been crippled. And he he looks at them, and you remember the famous saying, uh, Peter and John say to him, you know, silver and gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you, and they gave him healing, right? And the guy got up leaping and jumping and praising God. We learned that in Vacation Bible School. He's jumping, and and so, so what happens is, in the midst of the rage of their culture and their society, the early church prayed, For God to move and do his work. And so this crippled man is healed. It leads to thousands coming to Christ. Now it's interesting when you read that passage, it says that Peter and John got arrested because of what they did for good and they were called before the religious leaders. And then the next verse says, and God added to their number that day a couple of thousand men in addition to women and children. And so I'm thinking, who discipled those people while they're being let off? You know, they didn't even get to get the cards out and get to do follow-up. Because, you know, they've seen this miracle and they're just, they're just shocked and so they turned to Christ. So 3,000 people have come to Christ in one day at Acts chapter two and then here's another two. So the body has grown to 5,000 people, uh, just men, not including women and children. So leaders in the groups, leaders in groups of people are raging Against justice, they're raging against righteousness, they're raging against common sense, they're raging against the care that Peter and John have showed this man through Jesus. And the midst of this political and and religious leaders plotting evil, the follower of Jesus, they lift up a prayer. So what happens is, this is what really got me the other day. So we have a we have a nation and a culture that's raging, right? And so in the midst of a raging culture, it reminds us of Psalm chapter two. Psalm chapter 2. So look at verse 18 there. You're in, you're in Acts chapter 4 now. Then they called them in again. This is Peter and John. And commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than to obey God. For we cannot help but speak about what we have seen and heard. By the way, that's all a witness does. They just tell what they've seen, heard, and they've experienced. So they said, we can't be quiet about that. And by the way, this guy's jumping and leaping and praising God. How are you going to turn that off? After further threats, they let him go. They couldn't decide how much to punish them because all the people were praising God for what had happened. For the man was miraculously healed. He was over 40 years old. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and they reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord. They said, You made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth they take their stand and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles, and the people of the Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform miraculous signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So hear this again. In the midst of a political in the midst of religious leaders plotting evil, the followers of Jesus ask God for boldness and ask God to back up their testimony with signs, wonders, and miracles, which, by the way, is what he had just done by hitting the lame man. Okay, right now, our culture is raging. It's a Psalm 2 moment. Psalm two moment says that in the midst of the rage, these people said, We watched how Pontius Pilate, we watched how Herod, and we watched the religious leaders, how they raged and they came against the Lord and his anointed. And so right now there is raging in the streets. This is a Psalm two moment. How did the church respond to a Psalm two moment? They said, Lord, give us boldness and back up our prayers with miracles, signs, and wonders to the glory of Jesus. And then the next verse says the room that they were in was shaken. God says, I like that kind of prayer. Calvary. Friends online, I want to encourage you. Yes, this is a moment that's hard. Yes, this is a moment that's challenging. Yes, this is a moment that's distressing. But I want you to know this can be our Psalm 2 moment. This can be our Acts 4 moment. Let's stand in the gap and let's say, Lord, give us courage. Lord, give us boldness. Lord, help us to stand for you and to be that salt and light, that gatekeeper, that intercessor, that connector. Help us to be who you've called us to be. And would you extend your hand to do signs, miracles, and wonders to the glory of Jesus. That's the way to respond to the raging Psalm 2 moment. And I pray that we'll do that in Jesus' name. Amen? Lord, thank you for speaking to us today. Thank you for speaking to your disciples in their day. Thank you that you're the God of revelation. Lord, we pray again that we'll respond to this rage, fear, and hatred of our day with the same resolve, with the same prayer, with the same boldness in the name of Jesus. And Lord, we pray that we'd stand against negative revelation, praying against it and praying for the opposite in the name, the power, and the hope of the Lord Jesus. And right now, I just want you to listen to the Lord, going back to what I said earlier I'm going to ask the Lord to bring someone to your mind for whom the Lord would have you to pray or for whom the Lord would have you connect. Lord, would you bring someone to mind that you want us to pray for or that you want us to connect with? Maybe he's bringing to your mind some people or or someone from this past week. Oh, I didn't know that's why you brought them to mind. So right now, pray for them. Maybe the Lord's been laying someone on your your heart and your mind, not just to pray for, but he actually wants you to take initiative and call them or text them or or communicate and connect with them somehow. Who is that? Who is that? Lord, I pray you'll give us the courage to pray and you'll give us the courage to connect. Maybe there's some people you're laying on our heart right now like you did Sharon Williams' heart and there's some people we're supposed to connect with regularly who needs someone to care, share, and pray with. Who is that, Lord? Maybe it's somebody we're going to meet in in class or on Zoom. Who is that? Help us to listen and help us to love. So, friends, don't be surprised if God brings someone to your mind uh, throughout the week. There's going to be others that you'll be driving, and all of a sudden you'll think about somebody, pray for them, and then ask the Lord if you're supposed to connect with them. Maybe there's a group that you're supposed to get and start and and help people to connect on a regular basis. Would you please stand? We hope you've enjoyed this episode from Calvary Community Church Podcast. For more content and information about Calvary Community Church, please visit our website at calvaryhouston.com.